Hello Voices, my name is Joe Choi and I'm a multi-award-winning voiceover and host of a voiceover's audio adventure podcast. A bi-weekly show where I learn about the voiceover and audio industry and share with you all the stories, tips and tricks along the way. Money. Even if you do this as a passion, in order to make this a job at some point, you're going to need to make some. But how much should one charge and how do you calculate this? Today's adventure is about rates and usage. I had no idea how much to charge when I first started, let alone you could get paid and even make this a job. I started on freelance sites such as Fiverr, so my entry point regarding rates was very skewed. Not only did I have to adjust my basic studio rate, but I had to calculate how much this mysterious thing called usage would be and what it even was. As I spent more time speaking with other voiceovers and doing more research, I came across voiceover sites such as Gravy for the Brain and Usefeed.tv, who provide amazing tools and resources to help calculate usage fees for different kinds of media. Okay, enough about me. Let's see what other voiceovers did. Hello, I'm Tiffany Clare and I'm a British voiceover artist. So for my first job, um, we're going back a little while now, but I actually don't think I charged. I don't think I had the skills or kind of self-belief to think that my my product was good enough to to pay for or to charge for. So I definitely did a lot of free work at the beginning. And then from then, I found a lot of comfort in pay-to-play sites because often they give you the budget, that gave me a slight kind of guideline of what I could charge or what that job would be worth. So that's how I started out with my charging. So where to go for rates? I've always struggled with. Um, I definitely use Gravy for the Brain rate card. I do find that very helpful. And a few other sites have got some guidelines, but everywhere is very explicit that they are just guidelines and you are free to charge what you want. So I would say I definitely do not understand rates. It's not my strong point. And it's also something I find quite difficult to talk to with people as well, because, you know, it's quite a private issue. So you don't want to always say to people, well, what do you earn or what do you expect to earn? But I know it's something I need to grow in and I need to understand more. So I am very excited to listen to the rest of this podcast and bring my notebook with me. I'd say my biggest hurdle um, when quoting clients is definitely my self-belief. kind of trusting that my product and my time is worth what I'm quoting and not underselling myself. Hi, I'm Tim Lee and I've been working in voiceover for around three years. My first VO job, I think from what I remember, um, it was a a corporate for a friend who had a a web design business and I think it was £180. Um, I actually had two, well, the promise of another video. Um, so yeah, 180 pounds per narration. So in terms of what to charge, um, which was a minefield at the time, um, obviously my coach at the time, Nick from, uh, notable voices, um, Nick Clinch, he would help me out. He pointed me to the, the gravy for the brain, uh, rate calculator. And of course, you know, we've got a wealth of VO experience, haven't we in the community? So, uh, often and still do would ask. Um, on Instagram 
or Facebook, Facebook uh, British voiceovers, just post it on there. Lots of experienced VOs out there able to help. So the biggest hurdle or stumbling block, well, it's probably one we all have to uh, address, particularly with a new client, and that's probably usage. It's just getting the client to understand, you know, that uh, usage of the voice is not is not forever. And uh, you do get clients that that might say, look, we prefer a one-off fee, and that's that's down to each and every voiceover artist, isn't it, to, to decide on that, to negotiate. But um, definitely usage is, is a challenge. I'm Amy Falsleith, and I've been a VO for a little under a year. For my first VO job, which was quite a small number, I charged about um, 30-odd pounds for it. In terms of whom I spoke with to know more about what to charge, um, a combination, really, of referring to the voiceover rate guide on the Gravy for the Brain website and the Equity website, and as well as um, checking with my coach and mentor who's really experienced and knowledgeable and always there to answer any questions I might have. Do I understand rates? Um, To some extent, yes, based on the information that's out there. However, I still feel it's a bit of a minefield. So I'm learning as I go and crossing bridges as I come to them. Um, Certainly some great areas in relation to rates. So always worth informing and educating myself along the way. It sounds as though everyone is aware of the resources out there, such as Gravely for the Brain Rate Card and utilising the vast knowledge of other VOs. That being said, there seems to be a shared uncertainty about what to charge and educating the client on what they should pay and why. I wanted to find out more and speak with an expert in this field, so I reached out to Marcus Hutton, the Vice Chair of the Audio Committee at Equity, which is the British Performance Union. Well, yeah, nice to finally hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, nice to finally talk to you anyway. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. good. How about yourself? Yeah, they're good. I've, yeah, I've just been away. I was in Amsterdam and got back yesterday. Yeah, it looked nice. Yeah, I went with a bunch of voiceovers, so, um, which was nice. So it was, yeah, it was a kind of, a bunch of us have got an agent in Amsterdam and um, mm-hmm. they had a party. So <laughs> we went to that, it was nice. So please introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, well, look, quick about me. I mean, basically, I've been a, an actor for 40 years nearly, a voice artist for 25. I've been I'm vice chair of the Equity Audio Committee and have been on the Audio Committee for the last seven years, and I was on it before that in the early 2000s. So I'm quite well versed in equity, you know, and yes. what equity does for members, basically. Yeah, because I yeah I I was on the on the lookout to speak to someone like yourself, um, you know, usage and and basic um sure. studio fees and stuff like that. It's kind of like a great area. Obviously, there's a lot of lots of resources out there. Mm, well, it is a great area. It's a, it's a great area all round. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just had had a few questions and tried to better understand them not only for myself but for others um so yeah i'll start from the top okay okay could you explain what usage in the voiceover world is usage okay well um usage is the exploitation of your performance so um voiceover fees are generally split into two parts one is the 
is what's called the Basic Studio fee or the or the BSF, and that's a fee for your time and your studio time. Yes. Um, and people's BSFs are personal to them and vary, but you know, sort of two hundred and fifty pounds an hour to three hundred three hundred and fifty pounds an hour is the standard fee. So that's the fee for you to show up, record your work, you know, offer your studio up for for free if you're working from home. Mm-hmm. And then the usage part is the exploitation of your performance. Um, and a lot of clients don't understand that. They think, well, I've paid you the money to record it, so why can't you just give it to me and, uh, you know, and I can use it for as long as I like. Because your voice is your tool and your association with a product or service um, is, you know, your, your voice's association with that can very often preclude you from getting work in other areas. So if you, for instance, um, do i don't know let's say peugeot cars and you do a national tv campaign for peugeot cars then for the duration of that campaign there isn't another car manufacturer that's going to want to employ you um you're not going to you're not going to be able to do citroen or renault or ford or anything else during that time so for for the duration of that well now that isn't always the case but but that is part of what usage is for it's to ensure that a bit like you know a best-selling book or something like that 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 the exploitation of your work um is compensated for a duration and that can be for a territory it can just be for the uk or it can be for the europe or if it can be worldwide it can be for it can be for a period of time three months six months 12 months two years so we always say to you know people who are new to voiceovers and members be very careful about what you agree to and what you're granting is a license to use your recording to lose the recording mm. of your voice for um a period of time and what you're agreeing for is is an exploitation fee for that usage and so obviously you know if very few people are going to hear it then the fee will the exploitation fee will the usage fee will be tiny if millions and millions and millions of people are going to hear it all over the world then the ex- and for a long time then the exploitation fee the usage fee goes up accordingly. So that's the reason okay. why it's there. Okay. And now to complicate that, different sectors have his, different different amounts, you know. Of course. And who creates them? Okay, so the, right, well, some of it is rooted in historical practice, which does actually stand mm-hmm. up in court, by the way. But different sectors have different methodologies. Now, equity negotiates where it can with employers. So... We have what's called collective bargaining agreements. So we sit down with an employment um, with an employer, and we'll say, "These are the minimum rates and conditions that are acceptable for our members to record for." Um, okay. Now, in voiceover, there aren't a lot of those because I mean, there are for um, there are for sort of BBC and ITV. There are for you know there are there are something in e-learning. There are some. There are some collective agreements in place with employers. We're we're trying very much hard at the moment as a committee to get more collective embargo agreements in place. We have them with for radio commercials, for um, local radio commercials. So anything on the sort of you know global or bauer networks, we, we we have negotiated agreements with those two groups. They own most of the radio stations in the UK. We have collective agreements with the BBC. Yeah, but we don't have a collective agreement for. 
television commercials at the moment. We did for many years, and then there was a strike in 1998, which killed that agreement off. Now, as it happens, most members work well because you know there was there was a sort of standoff between the union and the and the Institute of Practitioner Advertising, which 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 is healing, I have to say, you know, but it's taken 20, 24 years to kind of get back to the table to talking. But the standard fees that people are paid for TV commercials are um, based on that old agreement. So agents and advertising agencies pretty much agreed to stick to that agreement, even though it doesn't exist. So you've got agents to thank for a lot of that. Agents are Agents have been the people that have set the rates because they've been able to control access to their clients, particularly their celebrity and name clients. Yeah. But obviously, since, you know, since home studios have become popular, everything's gone out the window a bit. And if you're starting out as a voiceover, you just think, well, I'll buy a mic and I'll, you know, do a bit of online training and whatever. Where do I even start with this stuff? It's very, very difficult to know. And there are forums, there are, you know, a lot of most voices, most people who, who, you know, will ask around these questions, the same questions get repeated again and again and again. How yeah. much should I charge for blah, 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 blah. And it is a bit of a fine art. You know, it takes years to get to know sort of what to charge and what the going rates are. It's very difficult. I mean, as, as a union, we can talk to employers, but, it, but in fact, it is illegal to fix rates. So you can only really suggest rates. I mean, there are organizations like Grave of the Brain that have a suggested rate card that people look at as a kind of guide. Um, and that's based on sort of industry practice. So the information is out there, but it is a bit of a, a fine art. It's a bit like saying, you know, it's like, it's like any sector. So it's actually illegal to set fixed rates, like you said. It's illegal to fix rates unless they're done. it's done by a union in agreement with, okay. um, with an employer. As a union, we can't set rates. So, okay, okay, this is something a lot of people don't understand. They, don't, they think, well, you're the union, you should just set the rates. We can't do that. That's, that's against the law. A trade union, I'm, I, I am vice chair of the audio committee, if, uh, just to sort of to clear that up, within equity, which is the British Performers Union. Um, all we can do is collectively bargain. That means that we can sit across a table, you know, we can sit down at a table with an employer and both parties will agree on what the minimum rate should be. And I have to stress minimum because people go, well, some of the equity rates are much lower than what, uh, what uh, you know, what people get. And you go, yeah, but they're minimum rates. There's a reason that they're a minimum. You're, you're perfectly liberty to charge more than the minimum rate. It's just that it's a minimum rate. Just, you know, it's, it's a kind of safety net to say, look, it doesn't go below this point. But anything over that point, you can you can certainly negotiate. In reality, the minimum rate is often the rate. But it, but I must stress the word minimum if you're looking at any equity rate guys. But yes, it is it is illegal for equity to set rates without having negotiated with them negotiated them with an employer. Okay. And how often are they changed or revised? And and what's the process to do this to amend them? Once we have an agreement in place then the rule of thumb is that it's revised annually. I mean, a union will, and you know, it doesn't always happen, but an, a union will always be looking for, you know, an RPI increase. Now, obviously this year, because interest rates have been insane, up around mm. 10%, it's harder to go to an employer and ask for a 10% rise on rates 
than it has been in a year's when it's been 2 or 3%. But we are having to ask those questions of employers. We're having to say, look, th- this is the RPI increase. You know, this is what we'd like to see. So there's quite a lot of hardballing going on in negotiations across the whole sector. That's in theatre and film and TV and everything else. But, mm. you know, as we've seen, you know, we've seen a, a, a flurry of strikes and things in the last year from lots of unions and organizations. And, you know, that hasn't happened for years. And that's just because we've got high inflation. But but yes, they, the, these things are discussed once the the aim is to is to revise and review once a year once we have okay. an agreement in place but as i said the voiceover sector is is notoriously like the wild west and it's very difficult because there are so many different employers out there i mean one of the things a union can do if obviously we're talking to the bbc that's great but you can't talk to a you know 20,000 small businesses who produce the odd yeah. voiceover and get them all to agree mm-hmm. to the same rate and and that's that's what the issue is. It's it's a lot of the smaller companies that you work with, probably, you know, seventy to eighty percent of the time that don't understand mm. why I'm asking for a usage fee and they think I'm trying to pull yeah. a fast one, you know? And then, you know, then it just goes a bit crazy. And then that leads on to my next question where the not understanding yeah. the rates, how do you think that affects the industry as a whole? Well, I suppose the the first law of any sector is always supply and demand. Now, up until 10 or 15 years ago, up until 10 years ago, there were only a few hundred home studio voiceovers in the country. You know, mm. there, there really were. When I when I first built my home studio, which was at the end of the 90s, I was one of probably 200 or 250 voice artists with home studios in the country. And it cost me a lot of money to set up at the time because it was an ISDN and all of that. It cost me probably 15 or 20,000 pounds to set my studio up. So the cost of Damn. equipment has come right down. <laughs> well, yeah, an ISDN codec, the box, you know, the, the way we're talking now, which is free over the internet. I mean, that that box alone was 4,000 quid. A decent mic was 2,000 quid. A decent interface was another two or 3,000 quid. A booth was six or 7,000 quid, you know, and plus all your cabling and your mixers and all of that stuff. It was an expensive thing to do. But now, you know, you can set up a studio for a thousand quid and you just plug it into your computer that you've already got and um, off you go. But we think there are at least 10,000 home studio voice artists in the UK at the moment, at least. So there's a lot more people competing for the same amount of work, maybe a little bit more work because of the internet. AI has come along that's taking jobs away. So people's natural inclination to get a foot in the door is to go in cheap. And so, you know, we always try to say to members and and, because over lockdown, obviously, there was no acting work. So loads and loads of our members built home studios because voice work was the only work that was still kind of going on during lockdown. It was work that you could do from home. But unfortunately, that has put a downward pressure on rates. So I suppose what we would say is this is about getting educated and also about educating your clients about why they should be paying a usage fee and also understanding and talent needs to have a realistic expectations. You know, you need to understand that if there are calculations out there and you can find them on the forums and you can you can look around for them, you know, you need to understand that, you know, a certain amount of impressions is worth X. So if somebody's doing a YouTube, uh, uh, you know, social media commercial, you just need to say, look, can you can you give me a, an approximate idea of the impressions 
the amount of times that amount of ear, pairs of ears or eyes that are going to fall on this video. And usually they should know that because because they're having to buy the media to promote their their video. They they um, yeah. and often they'll come back saying, "Well, I don't know," because they want to get you as cheap as possible. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's a bit of a fine art. And then and then there's always the threat that I'll go somewhere else. And but sometimes you have to say goodbye to jobs. I have a kind of price point, and that's what I charge. It's a bit like you know, let's say you were a you know, a pretty skilled carpenter or bricklayer or something like that. Are you, and your rate is £400 a day, £500 a day. Are you going to work for 50 quid or 30 quid a day? No, <laughs> probably yeah, if you've exactly. been around for a while. <laughs> you, you know, you're just going to say, well, thanks guys. But but yeah, it, it takes a long time to acquire the knowledge. But there are some yeah. things that you wouldn't charge uses for, really. Of course. You know, there, I mean... It might just be that, you know, if you're doing a, an explainer video for a small company that you know only a few thousand people are going to see, or it's an internal video, you might just say, look, here's a flat fee of 250 quid or 200 quid. There you go. You can, ha you can have the usage on that, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't recommend that, but, but sometimes that, you know, that's just practical. It's practical if it hasn't got massive exploitation attached to it. And that's where voice artists get it wrong. They go, oh, I've just done a... You know, I've just done a, a a TV ad, you know, and they only offered to pay me five hundred pounds. Well, the first question is how many TVRs were there, which is which is which is how television viewers are, are measured. Now, if there were only fifty TVRs and it was only on for three days, then five hundred quid might be the right amount amount of money. It doesn't always follow that a TV commercial is going to be ten grand, twenty grand, but they can be. Mm -hmm. depending on how long that job runs for and how long the exposure is for. And there are online calculators like usefee.tv, if anybody uses that calculator. Yeah. Do, you use, do you use that one? Yeah, yeah, I use that one, yeah. Yeah, usefee.tv is um, a usage calculator that's put together with Personal Managers Association and, you know, and, and, and has been discussed with various advertising agencies. And it's a sort of industry standard practice for, for TV to use that calculator um impressions is more difficult for you know online ads audiobooks unfortunately at the moment don't pay usage you know the, the recording fee buys buys you out for all usage and all sales which is appalling and we are trying to kind of get that that rectified mm. but you're up against the likes of you know the amazons of the world they're very big companies to to because they own audible you know but we are trying to talk to them about you know about that issue e-learning tends not to be paid usage but it depends on whether it's for a sort of a course that's behind a firewall or whether it's something that's going to be sold you know again and again and again to different it might be white labeled and so you've just got to have your wits about you you've got to kind of yeah. get as much information at the quoting stage as you can in order to build a picture of what it is really that the client wants i mean i had one the other day when someone said how much for a tv ad now they're obviously quite a big client and i said well yeah. What's it for and how, how long is it for? And he says, only 10 seconds won't take you long. Right? And I said, well, I can't give you a price unless you tell me. <laughs> now, I just need a price. And I've got, you know, so this went on and I wrote a very, I wrote an essay on usage to him and just explained, you know, about use for TV and everything. And of course, it just disappeared. So he was just rooting around the internet trying to find the, somebody who'll say, yeah, I'll do it for 100 quid. And he was obviously frustrated at that point because he'd obviously hit a number of voiceovers who said the same thing as me. Um, the end of the day, doing this job, I mean, I think well, another thing a lot of clients don't realize is they think, well, you know, it's, it's just a gig job. It's not to do this job properly. It's a full-time job, as you know. 
Yeah. Right? To, do, to, to be available, to make yourself available all day and at the weekends and everything else, you know, you've got to kind of be working out how many gigs you're getting and you have to work out what, you know, are you making a living from this? Is it possible to make a professional wage from voiceover? It is. And there are plenty of people out there who do. But, you know, but if you want to make, if you want to give up your teaching job to make 40 or 45,000 pounds a year as a voiceover, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on marketing, on going to events and everything else. There's a, an awful lot of work you're going to have to do to get to that, that point. Um, yeah. You know, and that is perfectly doable. But you've got to be available all day, every day. And you've got to live with the pit of your stomach feeling that you might not work today and you might not work tomorrow. And then you might get yeah. three jobs on Friday. You know, I mean, we've, yeah. we've all been there. I've been living like that for years, but it's not a comfortable experience. When I started, it was because there were so few of us, it was very much easier. I mean, you know, I would get very upset if I didn't get, you know, a couple of jobs a day. Now I can go for a few days and go, where's yeah. the work on? You know, yeah. so it's, it's a different, it's a different thing. With social media content um, lasting forever and, mm -hmm. you know, you not knowing how long it's actually going to, now some people might say we're going to run something for X amount of time, but you know that that's going to live on forever organically. But how, how does one deal with that horrible word that Vios hate is perpetuity and how should one go around that? I would say never license something in perpetuity right mm -hmm. if somebody asks you for in perpetuity just say no and just say look my in perpetuity price is going to be so much higher than just licensing it from and are you really going to be using this content in five years time do you want me to charge you sort of 200 percent of my bsf per year for the next 20 years to come up for an in perpetuity figure or realistically are you only going to be using this for a year um People think that in perpetuity means that they own it, but I would say to a, a voice artist, never, ever get involved in in perpetuity, right? It's mm. very difficult. And in fact, it doesn't come up that often. Normally, you can, normally you can say, look, how, how long, you know, would you like four years usage? You just need to make sure you have to weigh up whether if your voice is, is heavily associated with one product, you're not going to work for any of that product's rivals, even, even if it's not officially set down. You know, Joe, you've got quite a recognisable voice. You know, if mm. I hear your voice on, let's say, oh God, I don't know, right, I, wanna, I run a washing machine company, all right, and you're, mm -hmm. you're doing my ad, and I've bought your voice for in perpetuity, I'm using your voice on a strap line, you know, and then, I don't know, uh, Hotpoint are interested in you for another job, but f but they're going on, aren't you doing candy? Yeah. Okay, sorry, mate, we can't use you, right? Mm. And you, and for a f small fee, you, for in perpetuity, gave away your, you gave away your um, ability to work for competitors in a sector and what, you know, and it might be that that might be all white goods. You know, it's a yeah. big, big, big market, you know. And I would also say this is going to be a big problem with AI voices, is that people do AI recordings in perpetuity. They just record for one fee and they hand their voice over to be turned into an AI version of that voice. What's going to happen? And you've handed over all rights. What's going to happen when you suddenly hear your voice and you don't want it associated with something? Or you get a TV, you get a really well-paid TV gig 
and they say, is your voice associated with any other products? And you think, well, my AI voice is working for loads of different companies out there, which I'm not getting paid for. Mm. What are you going to do? You, I mean, you could easily be contractually ending your own career by doing that. So I would say be very, very careful recording being an AI voice. There are, again, we are talking to some employers with the union about that, you know, about sort of fair and ethical and allowing voiceovers a certain amount of control over, you know, over the expert. You've got to be really, really careful. And a lot of people think, oh, God, you know, I've just been paid £3,000 to be an A voice. Everyone's going to hear my voice everywhere. Well, that £3,000 isn't going to go very far. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, and, you know, and they're getting better and better. And the, the AI stuff is getting better and better and better. I mean, how many, yeah. and how many social media ads do you hear now that are voiced by an AI voice? Loads. Loads. Yeah. You know? Loads. Yeah. Loads. And, lo yeah. and six months ago, didn't hear them, did you? Yeah. It was rapid, the change. Yeah. You know, and that you could, somebody could have been getting paid, paid for that job. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Now, I was just going to talk about just the overall like, education into rates and usages. Do you think there's enough out there? And do you think it can be simplified even more so? There's plenty of information out there if you go looking for it. Um, Equity pr produces an audio guide. We've just updated it. So if you are a member of Equity, the Actors Union, and I would, obviously I'm going to say that because I'm on the committee, but I would really recommend that people join and make it a part of your annual expenditure because apart from anything else, you get free legal protection. You know, so if you have got a legal dispute with a client and in voiceover, they come up a lot, you know, you've got the weight of a union behind you and their lawyers yeah. to kind of get in touch with a rogue client, you know, somebody who's ripped you off or not paid you. Um, you yeah. get free public liability insurance as part of your membership. Um, you get access to the, the pension scheme and, I, and for, and for self-employed people, come on. You know, I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody else, but most of us don't have a pension because nobody's taking pension contributions when we yeah. work. And, you, you know, equity pensions are very good pension. You know, there's advice. There are people like you can get in touch with me anytime you like. I will talk to members personally and give them an opinion and give them help. But I don't do it for non-members because it's just too many people, you know. Uh, I mean, I do it for free, by the way. I don't get paid yeah. by equity, but I'm, you know, it is voluntary. But you know, I believe that there are there's strength in numbers, and we need that. Obviously, all of the sort of educational aspects. The, the audio guide is very good. It's got lots of good information in it, so you can download that from the equity website. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. Um, it's been really insightful. That's all right. Sorry, I've rabbited, haven't I? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's perfect. It's, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to rack your brain and yeah. I've got a lot of useful but, information yeah. out of it. Thank you. Yeah, nice to speak to you, Joe. So what have I learned from today's conversation? Use resources such as Gravy for the Brain rate cards, equity, and the voiceover community around you to educate yourself on usage costs. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Never let the client dictate how much you should charge. Everyone has budgets, I know, but it's your duty to educate the client as to why you should be paid what you're asking and how long they can use your voice for. Be stern and stand your ground. Rates are not created equally and rates can vary immensely depending on the type of job. Please remember the rates that can be found online are only a minimum rate, 
So please believe in your ability and charge what you think you are worth. Thank you again to Marcus Hutton, Equity, and all the other voiceovers who helped make this episode possible. You can find information on myself, Equity, and F1 in the show notes below. Right, looks like my time is up for this week. Signing off, until next time.